everyone, and welcome to Novel. This is your host, Caleb Linville. Today, I am excited to share with you the second commentary episode for When the Mountains Called by Shannon Baker. Joining me in the conversation today is, again, Mati. How's it going, Mati? Hey, Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So this second episode didn't really answer a lot of questions, but it did introduce some new ones. That's for sure. (laughs) So in our last commentary, we talked about a lot of things like, is our main character, dude, because we don't know his name yet, is he really dead or not? You know, it said, for all intents and purposes, he was dead. And that's kind of the way that the first episode ended. And then this one starts up, and all of a sudden, he's talking about a river. He laid on the grass at the base of the hills, just past the gentle swirling water of the river. He didn't remember swimming across, not even in his dream, but somehow he was on the other side of the water, one step further from the home he hadn't left since Pearl had died. Perhaps that was why he felt such an ache in his stomach. So I, I, I was kind of trying to figure out what the transition was, but I think maybe that's on purpose that it's kind of abrupt. What do you think's going on here? Yeah, well, the way that the last episode ended, he was running around his cabin, not being able to get back to his cabin. There's an invisible barrier there. And then he just, he wakes up by the river, which goes by his cabin. I'm not sure precisely why that is, but I think that the river represents something much deeper than just, you know, a little trench filled with H2O. (laughs) H2O. So... I actually did a little brainstorming on rivers because I thought about rivers in literature, especially in poetry, when they represent other things, paradigms of all sorts, um, allegories, you know, parables even. Rivers have uh, just a real powerful representation traditionally in literature. So here's some of the stuff that I came up with, and I even looked online a little bit, but I'm just going to rattle through a list of things that rivers represent sometimes in literature. So, of course, we have the River Styx, which represents the crossing between the the land of the living and the land of the dead. So it's kind of interesting that he goes from, for all intents and purposes, he was dead, to suddenly being involved with a river. I found that interesting. But then there are other things, like there's the the idea of the river of life, And then the idea that rivers represent death or water represents death. You know, there's the idea of the unknown versus the known because the water is mysterious and you can't see into the depths in most rivers. You know, there's a, there's a barrier there, but you can cross through the barrier, which is really strange because usually when we have a barrier, it's like a wall we can't get through. Right. But rivers aren't like that. You can dive in. And then there's some other ideas like going with the flow or swimming upstream, clinging to the banks, the power of nature. That's another thing that rivers represent because, I I don't know, you've stood beside some large, strong, powerful mountain rivers that thunder as they go by. Mm -hmm. It's it's awe-inspiring. I don't know of anything that seems quite so powerful and imminent as that, that we can get that close to. And then water is also um, traditionally considered nurturing. 
And I think about the idea of a tree that's planted by the river that grows and is big and large and healthy because its roots are constantly being watered and fed. And then there's the idea of rivers kind of like blood veins, like water is the lifeblood of the planet, and rivers are what carry that life's blood to different places. Anyway, those are just a few of the things I came up with about rivers. And as we're going through the story, I'm kind of curious what Shannon's thoughts were about what the river represented. I think that this episode tells us part of that. It has a lot to do with uh, a current and memories. What do you think that's about? Well, I think before we get to that, it's, it's important to acknowledge that dude is dead for all intents and purposes at the beginning of this episode. And yet he's interacting with the river and whatever the river is doing, it's taking him from his point of death. Mm. And I think that whether or not the death is real or figurative, um, I think that the memories that are involved in that are significant and how the current of the river, I think in many ways represents the, the force of powerful memories and how if you dam up those memories, then, then the effects will be not necessarily good. And eventually what often happens is people, when they dam up powerful emotions, then they reach a breaking point where something has to give. And the, uh, those emotions crash through somehow. I think that there's a sense of that in dude's interaction with the river. There's another element there. It's not just memories. I mean, you know, the river sticks. It was a, something that you had to cross over to go between the land of the living and the land of the dead. And at one point, it says that he didn't remember how he got to the other side of the river, but there he was, you know, that he had crossed the river somehow. But yet the river keeps calling him, drawing him, almost seducing him to get in and to go with the current. And... uh I think he has a decision to make. Does he stay near the cabin or does he allow the river to take him somewhere? And as the river keeps enticing him, it talks about all of these memories and what to do. And it gives lots of instructions like don't cling to the bank, right? And as you go by these memories, just let the current take you. Just relax and look at the memories. Let them flow through you. But don't try to to swim past the bad ones. Don't try to cling to the good ones. And it's really interesting here. It says that the good memories might hurt the most because they're memories instead of reality, which was also kind of fascinating. If you're listening to novel, then I assume one reason is because you like stories. I mean, who doesn't like a good story? And the stories novel produces have quite a few bizarre, otherworldly, and thought-provoking sections, as you might expect from fiction. The podcast I want to tell you about today, however, has all of these elements with one crucial difference. All the stories you hear are, in fact, true. The podcast is called the Adventure Sports Podcast, and the host, Mason 
interviews extreme outdoor athletes from all over the world. When you listen to the Adventure Sports Podcast, you'll hear people recount stories of traveling around the world on a bike or climbing the Seven Summits or sailing around and through much of North America on a boat which fits in the back of a pickup truck. Seriously, some of the stories truly are otherworldly. There's one one phrase there that really got my attention, and that one was, do not be ashamed. Mm-hmm. And, and I confess, I, I expect other people are probably like me. Um, I do feel shame with some memories, and what's funny about it is those memories are not even memories to be ashamed of. It's a strange thing, but sometimes I remember an event in my life that it was even a very powerful event, or, or positive event, a very good thing that happened, and I feel a sense of shame when I remember it. It's a really strange, I guess, psychology, but shame is a part of our memories, and I don't know if it's because we're remembering uh, a less mature self, or a period of life that we seem so far removed from now that maybe there's a little bit of, wow, was I really ever like that? You know what I mean? I'm not sure, but I thought Shannon was really insightful to say that. You have good memories, you have bad memories, don't be ashamed. Yeah, I think so as well. And I think that in the case of Dude... I think there is a sense of possibly shame in um, how Pearl died and how he um, took part in that process. But I think that there is a a sense of potential shame in that. Mm. Probably not, not warranted shame, but just the idea of Pearl died and there was nothing really Duke could do about it. Do not fight the current. Do not cling to the banks. Loosen your fingertips and let the blood flow to your knuckles again, the ones that have clung so long to a bank that offers nothing but sore joints in the pretense of life, and let go. The river is safe. Well, it's interesting, too, because here we are talking about death, and there's a line in there about the pretense of life that what he's experiencing now is real in a different way, and maybe these memories are a pretense of life, but they're not really what real life is about. You know, if we hang on to our past too much, we can't go forward and live life. And I wonder if that's part of what is going on here, this pretense of life. And I still can't help but think that this has a lot to do with um, mourning the loss of Pearl. You know, whatever's going on here, this huge metaphor that we're experiencing, um, it seems like we, we still don't know if he's really alive or dead. We just know that he's been hanging on to a lot of things that were comfortable and and things that he knew well, things that you know were familiar and good. And now he's crossed a river and he doesn't know he got there. And the river is calling him to go places where he he hasn't been and to flow past his memories, but keep flowing on. And there's, there's something powerful about that. Like this is a huge transition for him, whether it's actually death or whether he's finally beginning to learn to live. We know that he and Pearl, 
we're at this cabin for 25 years. Yeah, a long time. A long time. And the cabin did represent um, hiding from some things, getting away from things, not letting go completely, but getting away from some things. And then it talks about swimming away from the memories from the last 25 years. And that's powerful. That's a lot of years. Yeah. So what do you think it means that he had an ache in his stomach, that he thought he was hungry, and he was confused because how could he be hungry if he was dead? I don't know. It could be simply that he's hungry. But it could also be, I think, that when you start a new journey, venturing into the unknown, I think for most people, they get a feeling similar to hunger or like a abdominal excitement of mm. not knowing what to expect. I think that it could be interpreted both ways. I sort of like, I sort of like the latter interpretation personally. Well, there's another line in there that talks about memories that could drown him. And you mentioned how if we bottle up memories or dam them up, then they, they eventually get overwhelmed, that dam and burst forth. And in that sense, memories um, can drown us, or there's a fear that they would. And so I think people suppress a lot of memories because of shame, because some memories aren't good and because some memories are too good, perhaps. But we, we try to, to suppress those memories and try, we, we fear that we'll be drowned in the memories. But then he says, but how could he drown? Because he's already dead, right? Mm. It's almost like it's, it's finally time to deal, to deal with whatever has been holding him back for his whole existence. It's like it's time to review reality and move on through it. And wow, I, I know of so many people that feel stuck in life. They don't know where to go, or, you know, moving forward, staying where they are. Um, maybe they have multiple directions they could go, but they have fear and they have a hunger. But at the same time, the unknown is, is frightening and they feel like they might drown in it. And they're afraid, probably especially, that if they move forward, they're going to have to deal with their past. That the way forward is by processing what is behind. Maybe that's what this is about. Maybe that's what the river represents. I mean, there's an element of death there, but there's also the element of, of all of these memories. And, oh, I love the, the language that she used about releasing your hold on the bank, letting the blood return to those white knuckles. And it's, it's almost like life is coming back because you're not hanging on anymore. His dam is starting to crumble. Mm, yeah. And then he does enter the water, just a little at a time. Oh, he, he realizes his toe is in the water. Mm -hmm. And then he puts his foot in, and here comes a corduroy. <laughs> the corduroy pants, you know, they, they start to get caught in the current. Yeah. And remember in the first episode, we kind of decided that the corduroy represented hanging on to things that may not be healthy anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, that you, you don't want to... You don't want to let them go, but it's not really healthy to, to have it there. And, and so it's, it's interesting that the corduroy is like the first thing the current grabs and starts to put little pieces of silt and stuff into. Yeah, wherever the river takes him and wherever he'll be when he comes out of the river, he won't be the same person, that's for sure. Mm. But then he puts his foot in and then has some memories and some thoughts. And then he's in 
up to his hips and then up to his waist. And then he kind of comes to a realization that if he's dead, he might find Pearl because she should be there too because Pearl is dead. So if he's dead, maybe he'll find her. And I think that is part of what released him or gave him the courage to actually try this river thing out. And, you know, he looks up at the house. He looks at the river, the house that represented all he'd known, all that was good and and normal, right? And the river that was unknown and scary, but the river was taking him through his memories, which is so fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And then the mountains call again. And finally, he says, you know, one last look at the house. And he says, goodbye, just goodbye, here I go. It's a powerful moment for sure. He was up to his waist now. The current pulled, still gentle yet insistent. Let go. The river is safe. He looked back up at the house. If he let go, if he went with the river, he didn't know if he would ever be back. But he was dead, and the mountains called, and Pearl was out there somewhere. He was sure of it. Goodbye, he said softly, and let the current take him. When you've lived long enough, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, something as dramatic as um, what dude is processing, but I think that when you live long enough, you have those moments in life where life just, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it destiny, but life just happens and you're doing it and that's all that can be done. You know, I think I mentioned in our last commentary where we were kind of kicking around the ideas from this story that you can't steer a boat unless it's moving. A rudder doesn't do anything, no matter how you turn it, unless your boat is moving. And and then when you're moving, the rudder begins to give the ability to you to, to guide your boat, to choose a destiny, so to speak. And definitely the river is moving. And... I know in my life I've had instances where I felt completely trapped and it was time to to do something else. And, you know, that can go on for a very long time because what you know, you know, feels normal and good in its own way. But you also realize that you're not moving forward and you can't steer your boat. Sometimes you don't know where to go or what to do, but you realize you have to start moving. Yeah, you have to start doing something. So for our main character here, it meant, all right, jump in the river, let the current take them, and actually relive a lot of memories and learn how to let those flow and process instead of clinging to things. Letting go of all that is known and venturing into the unknown, that's a huge paradigm for life quite often because we don't know the future. And because the past seems known to us, even though we probably misinterpret it all the time, even though the past seems known to us, it seems safe. Because what we don't know, we often fear. What we are familiar with, we cling to. But then we can't steer our boat. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think it'll be really exciting in the coming episodes to to watch Dude 
on his journey, discovering what letting the river take him is all about and and discovering why the mountains are calling him. And yeah, it's going to be a great adventure for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more episodes and seeing how this turns out. I think it's kind of interesting and challenging. It's rare that you hear a podcast that actually challenges you and makes you think, ooh, am I dead? Am I alive? Am I clinging to something I need to let go of? What are the memories I need to process? Am I living? Can I steer my boat? You know, those sorts of of ideas. It's just so rare to hear a podcast that so artfully addresses those sorts of major themes of life. And uh, I think a lot of people wrestle with those things. And that's probably good. It's okay to wrestle with those things. I encourage the listeners, don't listen to these podcasts once. Um, because all you get is kind of the storyline. Go back and listen twice, three times, four times. And when you do, listen to how the music dances with the storyline. And then also think about all of the, the symbolism in the, the things, the simplest of things that are happening, the symbolism involved in the story that brings the richness to it. Well, don't give anything away, but you told me that you're really looking forward to some of the episodes that are coming up. Um, can you give us some hints, not of what happens, but of why you're looking forward to them? Well, I'll just say this. For anyone who has never been to the mountains, when you first encounter them, it's a whole different world. It's, it's strange and fantastic and sometimes overwhelming. And for anyone who has visited the mountains, then the first time you saw them and uh, interacted with them, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's some very interesting things that are going to happen when he gets to the mountains. Well, I am looking forward to hearing more of the story. And congratulations again, Caleb, Jonathan, Shannon. Job well done. I'm really enjoying it. And I'm learning from it. I think I'm going to kind of take some time to process some of this stuff and meditate on it, ask myself the questions about, do I need to go with the current more? Is there something that I need to let go of? And that sort of thing. So anyway, thanks guys. And I'm excited to hear the next episode. Yeah. And if you would like to discuss more of the topics that are presented in this story, then... Uh, please comment on this episode and past episodes on our website, novelpodcast.net. That's definitely the best place to comment and see if we can get a conversation started because this is a story worthy of multiple interpretations, I think. And then also to help support the show, you can subscribe and like and follow and do all of those things share it with your friends and i look forward to presenting episode three next week